This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thank you. And, th- and thank you for picking up the mantle for Rich. It feels like he's always leaving and going somewhere. So I'm, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to be dicking around in Japan right about now. That sounds nice. <laughs> Welcome to Rob Ryan Red. A Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Hello, you're listening to the latest episode of the Rob Ryan Red Podcast, brought to you in association with the great people at Red 10 People Development. As you know, if you're a regular listener to the show, this is normally Rich's job. He he preps a lovely introduction and you know, brings us lots of puns and uh, all that sort of good stuff, all that jazz. But not today. He's in Japan, as we said last week. He's still swanning around on his holidays, so it's just me for this introduction before we get into the series of special guests that we've got for this bumper episode. It's been a busy week, Wrexham, lots and lots going on, players back from the Vegas trip and recovering, uh, going on holiday and and, and recuperating before we get into to pre-season. We've had the retain list, we'll get into that later um, with one of our guests and can kind of look look at the, the makeup of the squad and the build-up of the squad. We've had Jordan Tonnercliffe getting engaged, proposing to his obviously now fiance. Um, so congratulations to Jordan. Um, I'm sure that's a big relief for him. Um, you know, friends of mine that have been carrying around the ring uh, ahead of engagements always get a little bit jittery, but I'm sure he's very, very relieved that she said yes. And look, it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build this up as best as I can. Um, but ultimately, you know who is here, who is joining the show. Um, very, very, very fortunate to have sat down this week with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. So the Rob Ryan Red podcast had Rob Ryan, and I guess I was a, a little bit red, so we, we we nailed the title. They were absolutely splendid. Fine, fine gentlemen indeed. Very, very, very nice. And what I would say is, I'm sure you've heard um, the Fearless Boys have done their own sit-down as well. Those swines uh, nicked 
load of our time so uh, i'm going to keep winding them up let us know uh, what we can do to get revenge on them you can email us robbrianred at gmail.com or you can find us on socials tiktok instagram you can get us on youtube now so if you're listening to this on spotify or apple you will be able to watch the interview that's about to follow with rob and ryan on our youtube channel we're going to try and get a bit more out on there especially with the preseason tour coming up we are going out there for that um so do subscribe to that if you can that be very very quick and easy to do and it'd be a big help to us but if you want to listen to the full podcast as normal this week you know keep listening because we've got the sit down with rob and ryan and then after that you will hear our chat with the athletics beat beat reporter beat writer beat reporter on wrexham richard sutcliffe so without further ado here is my conversation with wrexham co-chairman mr ryan reynolds and mr rob McElhenney. Right. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Rob. What is going on here? Um, okay, gentlemen, Rob Ryan Red Podcast with Rob and Ryan. No, Rich. Rich is in Japan, unfortunately, gentlemen. So I'm very sorry. I offer his sincerest apologies. Gentlemen, how are we? Pretty good. Uploading. Yeah. yeah. Big, big smiles. Huge smiles. Even, even the smile has never seemed to have left since we saw that video of you hugging um, very normally after we won the league against Boreham Wood. What has it been like since then? <laughs> well, both of my styes are gone. I had a double sty from the stress, which I never thought would be a sentence, yeah. I would say, uh, about the, the sport of football. But uh, they've cleared up, and uh, the knot in my stomach has finally loosened a tad. I think some of the tequila in Las Vegas helped that. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm still floating. <laughs> I feel pretty good, too. I... Uh... I didn't develop any sort of uh, external physical ailment the way Rob did. I, I hammered all of my tension and anxiety down into a, a coal-like diamond uh, that will manifest itself in some sort of future terminal illness. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this long journey that you're going to be on with us, it seems like it's actually going to be quite debilitating and probably not good for any of us. Yeah. I, I think, I think you know, Rob and I both, I don't, I think Rob and I both, I, I hope I don't mind to speak for you, Rob, when I say this, but I think we both greatly underestimated how much of the emotion and uh, yearning uh, for that that moment we experienced, uh, evidently live on camera uh, at the race course ground when we gained promotion. How much of it we were caring for the town? I think um, ultimately that sort of uh, uh, was something I don't I don't know that I I completely. Um, uh, uh, I, I was completely able to sort of express or even to myself uh, as it was happening. So I think, I think it's, it's taken a little while to let that sink in, but man, I, I remember that moment where that whistle blew. Um, and it was just, I think Rob, you described it as our soul left our bodies, which is what it felt like. <laughs> it really felt like, is this what dying feels like? Uh, it was a pretty extraordinary moment in every sense of the term. Well, I have some questions because your time is very precious and lots of people ask me all the th sorts of things. And one of them is we, saw, we see you at the ground wearing lots of amazing merchandise, hats, jackets, all these things. Are they one staple piece or are we ever going to be able to get our hands and, and try and dress and look like you two fine gentlemen? <laughs> well, I mean, it started with the hats last year. I mean, the, even the hat that Ryan's wearing and the one that I wear for almost always 
um, we just got made as one-offs and then uh, this, the club came to us in the store and said, hey, let's figure out a way. We, we, we think people would buy this uh, kind of merchandise. So who knows? I mean, I, I got this, the last, um, this, uh, this bracelet nice. here um, that was given to me, actually given to Ryan to give to me by um, a, a little girl in the stands. And I, don't, I, don't, I, never, I never got her name, but I think we could sell these. My, uh, her name was Humphrey Carr. Um, but, uh, uh, mine, mine was stolen by my daughter. Um, to a lord over her in the future, I imagine. But, um, yeah, that my, this hat is going to be available. I know we're making a bunch of these. Um, and then the other stuff is really actually like the jacket I wear is just a jacket I owned and I sewed a Rexham patch on it. It had some laminate Rexham AFD on the back. I was like, I may as well, you know, use, utilize one of my own jackets. But, uh, and then I think Rob yeah, has something similar. Uh, but we'll see. Hopefully we'll find something that makes sense for the club and something we can do sustainably and we'll, yeah. we'll bring it to the, to the shop. Well, I just collect stuff, and uh, with the mind, I'm eventually going to build a big Wrexham man cave in my house whenever whenever that is. Are you, what are you doing with all the stuff you collect? Because first time you came over, you, you took a bit of the pitch with you. You you went and got mm-hmm. Ben Foster's jersey. What are you building? What kind of... Are Blake and the girls letting you make some sort of Wrexham museum at home? What is going on? Blake and the girls are, are the engine for it half the time. I mean, it's my, my daughters are the ones that are always reminding me, Dad, grab some of the pitch when you walk across it again and you know but i also recognize that the the race course ground is is in it in 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 certain senses holy ground you know and i i so i like bringing a little piece of that home with me every time but um yeah i'm i guess i'm not really building a man cave so much a rex a man cave i think it, at this point it's just my house uh there's any death it's stuff's going kind of wherever i you know choose but rex it's one of the greatest prides of my life so why wouldn't i it's funny that you mentioned the collectible because right right off camera here, now this will mean nothing to the listeners, but you can see in here I have a, this is a, 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 a bit of the of the pitch after our my first win, which if you recall correctly came <laughs> way too late. Uh, um, so I have that preserved. I have a plate that's coming for it. And then this one, which I keep nearby, this uh, looks like paraphernalia. Um, it does really paraphernalia. look like weed. <laughs> yeah, it does. This is also just a pitch from the ladies' win, from the ladies winning the. Uh... So yeah, I'm, I'm, we're taking keepsakes every every time we go. What's what people don't know is Rob actually smokes that grass when he gets home. Yeah. That's why there's not much left. That's why there's only a tiny, tiny amount left. Well, it, ter- it turns out that Shell puts all the right chemicals in it to to keep you up, keep it down, whatever. You mean. <laughs> yeah, he does a great job. Talking of the race course, there's a couple of things about you know building we're going to get the cop that's going to start very soon but one of the questions we always get asked where are we at with a training ground because eventually we want to bring through all the youngsters it's been in the works been a conversation for a while i know speaking to humphrey where are we at with that we are working on that pretty much daily um that that's a you know that, that uh, the training ground is not something that you you know you take trivially right so it's it's something that is going to need to exist for you know, decades, if not centuries to come. So, uh, it's something Rob and I have been working on. Well, we've been working on that since the last year, last year, really. I mean, you know, in earliest, it, 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 it was, it was, I don't know if it was officially a part of the mission statement. I can't remember, but I know it was something that we focused on very early. Um, as, as was the cop as, as you know, and as well documented. Um, but it's funny that you asked that, that, that question, Nate, because probably 
every other morning, one of us will text that to the board. Where are we with the, with the training ground? Um, and I know that we've been making giant strides forward, but we don't have anything concrete yet, but we're circling a few things. I, I can't cover my, I have no idea. Uh, I'm not in your WhatsApp group, so I have not been snooping around uh, either of your texts. I'm sure uh, lots of the players talk about these infamous WhatsApp groups, the defenders, the strikers, WhatsApp groups. Um, talking of messages then, Wrexham, Paul Rudd was there at the end. We've had Emma Corrin, we've had all these different people, Will Ferrell. Who else is, is, is going to be begging you for a ticket because it's the hottest ticket in town right now? Are we going to get anyone on this US tour or, or back at the race course? Well, the good news is we're playing in, in Los Angeles, um, which makes things a lot easier because celebrities don't like to travel outside of the 30-mile zone. So that'll be helpful. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, I think we, we, we had a we had an unofficial rule that we didn't stick to, Ryan, after we lost at, um, at Wembley last year in the FA in the FA Trophy final, we decided no more celebrities because they were just a bad, bad, bad luck charm. But I guess we don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, it sort of worked out. Will 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 saw a great game. I know that. Um, Emma saw an amazing match uh, as well. I mean, I it, 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 Glenn and Charlie and Caitlin. Yeah, Glenn and Charlie and Caitlin saw a great one. Um, yeah, we've had we, yeah Paul, and then of course Paul and Joe Rousseau. They saw just the the one to end it. I mean, that was just the most incredible thing. And yet only Charlie was the one to sort of try out for the team with his with his race. None of the others did. <laughs> he, he also was the only one to get busted drinking alcohol. And I, because he didn't know. I mean, what people truly don't understand is Americans, we, we don't understand that rule. We didn't know that that was a rule. So he was sitting out in the box and he was drinking a beer and I nobody noticed it or they just didn't say anything. And somebody took a still frame and texted it to me from the from the broadcast and saying, "Hey, get your boy, get your boy off the balcony. You're going to get a fine." And of course, he ran back inside because he had no idea what the what the what the law was. But that uh, that'll be something he gets to take to his grave. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. The, the, you know, the race course is super special. And we're already having withdrawal symptoms from being. I'm sure you're the same. What what is the eventual vision for that? Because we're getting a cop, which is very exciting. But are, are there plans in your heads to to develop it even further? I mean, yeah, we, we, we no, that, greatest, uh, the, our uh, greatest goal is to, our greatest goal is to redevelop the, the opposite end of the cop, I guess. That's, what do we call that? end? it's everyone has a different name for it. So I'm not sure. The tech, the tech end we go the with. Tech end. Tech end. Yeah. Our, our, our dream is to have two apartments in there. <laughs> Dude, you'd so, be like, see. yeah. In late Honoria, they've just gone to league one. They have some flats built into the stadium that you can uh, yeah. wake up and look out on, on there. Uh, and imagine? I guess that, that, that would be. I don't know. I feel like I'd be, I, I wouldn't be able to go to sleep. I find it hard to sleep looking out on the pitch at night. Um, but one, I, I, a friend of mine texted me the day that said, JJ Watt is going to come for your crown. Now he's investing in Burnley. What was the conversation there with him? Because I know that he sort of sought your advice and you, uh, you're going to stay on top, you two? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't pretend to be some kind of uh, football oracle. I mean, I think that's kind of been both Rob and our secret weapon, secret weapon as, as we uh, progress through this. Um, but I, you know, I just told JJ everything I could possibly tell him about my experience with football ownership, which might not be the same as his experience. Um, you know, Rob and I have always sort of looked at ourselves as really more stewards for the club as opposed to like owners. You know, we take our, our role as chairman very, very, very seriously. Um, so yeah, I just, I kind of, you know, I my biggest advice to JJ was just to listen. You know, really try to listen as much as you can. You know, it's 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 particularly JJ comes from you know. 
his entire life has been sport. So I, I imagine he has a really, you know, formulated opinion and idea of, of how sport, massive sports entities uh, work. And, and he's probably bringing a lot of experience to the table. But, uh, you know, my, my only real advice was just to really listen. Because these are, you know, tat- these, these clubs are incredibly tethered to communities. And you, you have to, uh, you have to go part and parcel with the community and everything you do. Rob, you know, I don't think our podcast money is going to stretch to ever buying a football team, not yet anyway, but what is it like owning a team? Because it must be, as a massive sports fan, it must be amazing. It must be, you're smiling out, it must be amazing. It's, a, it's the greatest joy of my professional life. I, I mean, it, it, I, I feel like a child, a 46-year-old child uh, on a consistent basis. Every time I get a notification that 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 someone has responded on one of those shadowy text chains that you alluded to earlier, I get a little, a little, a little spark of serotonin in, in my brain. It's just, and my heart flutters and I get, and I just, it's just a, a roller coaster ride. And, and it's just been, um, it's been incredible, hard, hard to, hard to put words to. Thank you so much, both of you that, uh, I, I very much enjoyed your, your mementos that you've got. Thank you, and, th- and thank you for picking up the mantle for Rich. It feels like he's always leaving and going somewhere. So I'm, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to be know. dicking around in Japan right about now. That sounds nice. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be. You but... know that I appreciate you putting in the work. It says you two both yeah. prefer me, which is what you're saying, and I will very much play back to Rich. So that's that's, right. that's the as main you thing. should. It means that a lot. Is you're right. Okay, thank you so much, Jenny. Hey, Nathan, thank you so much for the for the time. That was really Thanks, lovely. Thanks, Nate. We're big fans of the podcast. So one one rich has gone. The, the rich you normally know has gone off to Japan, um, gallivanting around with his girlfriend. They're having a very good time. For anyone who's asking, I've had a couple of messages. Where are they? How are they getting on? They're getting on fine. So I just feel comfortable when I'm podcasting with somebody called Rich. So I've I've scouted around. I found another one actually. There there's a few, there's a few of them that can do it. So um, the Athletic, you've just seen. They've interviewed Will Ferrell when he came over to Wrexham and done lots of good stuff. Uh, London Reds. I know a lot of them. I'm friends with a lot of those. Rich. Who I'm going to speak to now did a piece on them. Rich, you've been covering Wrexham now for a few months. What have you made of it? We're we going to say it's the best club in the world, but I mean, what do you, what have you made of it coming in as a bit of an outsider? It's been fantastic. Um, obviously, it, it is a good club. It's good people. Um, I came across first time for the uh, the FA Cup game against Sheffield United, who I saw before before that game I was covering, and I'd done for three and a half years. And then I sort of came across and never went back, really. So they just said, go across for a month, you know, see see how it goes, speak to the characters involved. And it's been brilliant. You know, everyone's just so friendly. You know what I mean? And I know, you know, you mentioned, obviously, going with the London Reds. So I went to a game with them. I've been with five American guys to Bromley who just came across and we were just on that terrace behind the goal. And, you know, I saw them afterwards because I couldn't stand with them in the game. I was in the press box. And they were just like, everyone's so welcoming. You know, they'd swap scarves, you know. And that's what it's been like. You know, everyone's just sort of opened the doors and I won't say opened their arms. It sounds a bit odd, but, you know, they, everyone's just been brilliant. And then, then the story, I think that's the, that's the big thing. You know, obviously it's, it's you know, my first visit to Rexham in 1986, Boxing Day, my, my dad's team was Burnley. And it was the season Burnley nearly went out of the league. But, you know, so you went to, they went on, it was two all game. They actually played well that day in Burnley. But it's, it's a proper, so you know, you know the story, it's a proper club. And obviously, Seen that he'd been struggling, 
I've got a lot of links with the people who are involved now, like Sean Harvey and Phil Parkinson and, and Steve Parkin, people I've known for a lot of years. So obviously took an interest to that. But actually to get into the middle of it, you actually realise what it uh, what it means to the town and just, and like I say, it's a great story, but it's a story that's going to continue. Yeah, well, talking of uh, Burnley, I've, I've I had many a conversation with Brian Flynn, who obviously has got links yes. to, to both clubs, cool. you know, a su- super Brian Flynn, who... Um, was being hugged so tight by Mark Crichton who we had a few weeks ago. He, he thought he might have broke one of his ribs, poor Brian. Um, so go back and listen to that chat with Mark Crichton if you haven't already. Um, one of the main things, Rich, that, that's happened is we've got a lot we can chat about as, as we will over the next half hour, but the retain list, you know, one of the things that always comes with this is, Rex, like you said, the story will keep going and not everyone is going to be able to, to stick along for, for the entire journey. So... You know, the players we saw released this week weren't too many surprises. Jake Hyde's been out on loan at South End. Resaw Johnson struggled a little bit for injury and opportunity at right wing back. Harry Lennon, you know, retired at 28. Yeah. Um, so pause on him slightly. It's, it is at this level, isn't it? You know, I know people watch Premier League football and just saying about Sheffield United, they've just gone up. At this level, for players who are injured, it is a, a, a real career ender sometimes for them. And as we've seen with Harry Lennon, absolutely. And really sad. And, you know, and especially with his age, still in his 20s, you know, and it's, this this is where the PFA are needed, you know, the step in and, you know, the, something these lads have pensions that they're paying to from an early age. And it's not like the gilded, you know, age of the, the Premier League where you can retire at 27, 28 and you're set for life. You know, these, these are real lives. You know, you see that from the documentary. You know, I think that's why people sort of got on board with it is because the players were living, whether it's the players living in the shared house or even Paul Mullin, you know, the star of the show or star of the team and, you know, living in a house that, you know, everyday house really. It's not like the mansions of the Premier League. So, you know, so you feel from that, but also, you know, a, a great guy and, and, and obviously his career's come to an end. You know, at that, that age, it's, it's just, it's just doesn't feel fair. I feel like I can't fully remember. Maybe I've got this wrong. And if it is, it's a it's a strange dream that I've had. I feel like you might have been in a cryo chamber and Harry Lennon might have also been in there at the time. Um, yes, but maybe was. he wasn't. Maybe, you yeah, know, it's, it's... he wasn't in my actual session, but uh, <laughs> he, he was there and obviously <laughs> opening at work. Oh, well, obviously they all use his work. And it was uh, one of the more interesting ones, I would have thought that, of the uh, jobs I've done since I came across. Yeah, you know. So anyone who anyone who doesn't know that it's it's an injury recovery assistance that, that admittedly not all clubs at this level that, that will have one and have access to that. Um, how did you how did you find it and how did the players? I mean, again, just having opportunities to spend time with the players away from your traditional because you know like myself and others who, who are rich who's normally working journals and the mix zones aren't the most. You know they're not easy to get people to open up, are they? So when you spend time with players outside of that, it's uh, it must be a real blessing. It is. It's uh, it's also it's an odd one as well because obviously you turn up and then five minutes later you're stood in your pants in both basically what is the car park behind the main stand because <laughs> they they brought a cryo van in and it's all backs into the uh, sort of back of the stand, so they have like a little rack of stuff where you can put your clothes and everything, and then you stood there in like I say your pants, you have to put a hat on and some gloves and some protections on your feet, and then you just stood around. You know, I was 52 weeks ago, and I've stood around with all these 22-year-old, 23-year-old, you know, fine specimens, you know what I mean? Obviously, as you'd expect, Oli Palmer was, because uh, I said, yeah, you have to ask first, you know, he's all right, I have to take a picture, and obviously a few didn't want the picture taken as they get into it, obviously Oli Palmer did. So <laughs> that, that was good, so I had, I had a picture from his story. But it is great, you know, because, like you say, you don't get that level, the further it goes up, and it'll happen at Wrexham. You know, the, the, the access will change as they get higher. But 
you know, at the moment, it, like I say, it's such an open and welcoming and and uh, and friendly club. And and that was one of those, you know, like you said, I've, you know, certainly haven't shared a, a prior chairman with any other professional football team, but Wrexham did. And, and it was all through Phil Parkinson, you know, he was telling me about it. He says, well, I don't really know the proper science. Speak to Kev, or Kev Mulholland, who's obviously the, the head of medical. And he says, well, why don't you come down? And I spoke to them Kev for 20 minutes, he explains it. And he says, well, why don't you come down? You know, we, we've got a, and it's here on Monday, I think it was before the Dagenham and Redbridge away game, which obviously a long one, so they wanted to get, um, you know, a bit of treatment into them. So I went across, he says, do you fancy a go? I thought, well, not really, but my boss is a lot to have a go. So there I was in minus 130 degrees, and uh, it was, like I say, it was fun, though, you know, and yeah. And, it was fantastic for the story because obviously they won 4-0 the following night, so it looks like a miraculous uh, treatment. So Yeah, I was, was there. Happy. It was uh, it was a great performance, that Dagenham, awesome. really. Well, you know, one of, one of the best, especially Andy Can. I think that was one of his performances of the season. Very much so. uh, by the way, you can read any of Rich's stuff on The Athletic. If you just search The Athletic and Rex and Rich is, is the driving force on that. I'm going to run through the rest of the retain list because I'm getting somewhat sidetracked. Ryan Austin, real shame for him. I've known Ryan a, a while and, uh, you know, Rex and fan just struggled with injuries, needs to play. Kai Calderbank part, the goalkeeper's gone. Malik Dyke Steele's gone. Uh, Rory Watson, that's two goalkeepers gone. Tom Jenkins, Dan Jones, Louis Lloyd, Will Mountfield, some of the younger lads. They want to go and cut their teeth now in whether it's Welsh Prem or, or, or lower leagues in the, in the National League. Then an offer of a new contract made to Liam McAlinden and talks ongoing with Ben Foster. Rich, it, it's a tricky one, isn't it, with Ben Foster because there must be so much appeal for yeah. him to stay on. But eight games... And forty plus games is two very different things you're signing on for there. Very much so. I, I, you know, my personal view is that I think this would be the perfect way to buy out. You know, bow out of uh, obviously he retired. Was he a year ago now? And he was very happy in retirement. You know, he said that over and over again in countless interviews. And um, obviously he's come back. And you know, I must admit I was a little bit worried. Halifax away. He he, he looked like someone who hadn't played for seven or eight months. But then obviously come Monday. It's not just a penalty save. He made a fantastic save in not, you know, before just before that, barred it away, you know, without without him that day, Wrexham get beat to me. I thought he was fantastic that day. And I think, you know, it, it, it is a big thing. He's got so much going on as well, obviously with his with his career, with obviously the YouTube and everything. But I know we've we've spoke to a colleague of mine, Adam Leventhal, has spoken to his agent. And obviously all these figures have gone off the, off the scale because... Yeah. He's involved with Rex. I mean, obviously, that shouldn't be why you prolong your career. But I do wonder if it'll be part of the the, the thought process. Um, you know, like I say, I I I I I hope. I think he goes out on a high, and uh, and the look for another number one. Then I think that might be the best. You know, with a bit more longevity. You know, you want to. You know, you want somebody who could come in. And I love Rob Lance. I do, but it, it's. You know, it's almost like you need two number ones when Rob there because obviously he's, he's had a horrible look with injuries. So I, I, you know, I'd, I'd love him to get somebody in who could be the goalkeeper for sort of four, five, six years going forward now, and and as I say, hopefully carry on with the journey that Wrexham seem to be on. It it does feel, and I'm I'm with you. I think that that does feel the best. It feels bad because he's played so well. That does Absolutely, feel the best, you know, it does feel the best case scenario because if look, if he wants to stay. The owners clearly want him to stay. And, you know, we saw Ryan on the pitch saying to Les Reed, get the contract yeah, drawn up, yeah, yeah. the verbal agreement. Um, so I think it, it's all on it's all on Ben. If Ben wants to sign it, then it's there for him. And then a year down the line, we'll be we'll be having this same conversation and, and probably be knocking it on the head. Uh, if it's a one-on-one or a one-year or a two-year, whatever the case may be. 
losing Rory and Kai, that's two gone. Mark Howard has had a promotion clause, so he's got a new deal. For anyone asking about Mark Howard's future, he's been triggered a new deal. As has Paul Mullen has got a new deal. But before we get into Paul, on, on the goalkeepers, it, that feels like the one area where, okay, we've got Mark Howard, who was the number one. We've got Rob Lainson, who was the number one before that. And yet it feels like there's still, that's the one area where it feels like this squad, Phil probably could go out and make a splash because the rest of the squad is so set up to, to compete already. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, so you look through the team and, you know, I'd, I'd probably like another left wing back, I think, you know, because yeah. I really, I like Mendy, but I think, you know, just somebody to, that bit of competition, I don't think Fadzian's there, that's fine. Um, possibly a centre-half, maybe a holding midfielder away from home, but these are all sort of, you know, the, the big bonuses, whereas I think the keeper is the one that needs sorting and, and sorting quickly, you know, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge position. Obviously, everyone talks about strikers and, they, and they'll get you promotion. But, you know, if you've got a goalkeeper that keeps you 20 clean sheets, you'll get promotion at the other end as well. And, you know, and I think it's been made a big issue as well by the fact that, obviously, when Rob got his injury, you know, they brought Ben Foster in, you know, because really, you'd have thought, does it go to Mark Howard? Obviously, we all know what happened at Maidenhead. But, You've also got to remember he was part of that fantastic run, you know, for for, for most of the season, certainly way through autumn, and you know, he, he, and he did well. Obviously, there was a bit of criticism at the end, but by bringing Ben in, you think, well, he obviously doesn't have the confidence to be the number one you would have thought next season. So that is the one that does need sorting to me, and you know, I'd be happy with the rest of the squad, full stop. Yeah. Also, goalkeeper to go into league yeah. two. Well, well, I mean, there's lots of lots of chatter about goalkeepers. As they Foster's in the mix. Chris Maxwell, formerly of Wrexham, been released by Blackpool. Obviously, a lot of nostalgia there for, for fans of a certain age that that would like Chris Maxwell to come back. You know, after the Sheffield United game, people were saying, could they make a splash? Get Adam Davis. Well, obviously, links to Wales, good goalkeeper. I'm sure he, he wants to be sticking around at Sheffield United for a, a little bit longer. Yeah, but maybe we'll be... as well to go in the Premier League yeah, as well. well, well well, there you go. Well, well yeah. look, what I would say, though, with players, it, outside of the Premier League, Rich, do you reckon there's a more attractive option right now in, in terms of the Football League to, to go to Wrexham? Because it feels like Wrexham has so much to offer. Absolutely. It's, it's, and I, I, I don't, to be fair. Obviously, you've got your top-end championship and, and the, the money that people pay there. You know, it's going to dwarf anything. You know, obviously, Wrexham have had to pay a premium. We all know that in non-league. I know the club hope. And are confident that that premium no longer applies because they will be signing League One and League Two players to play in League One and League Two. It's not like, you know, we know it. We know it's not fair to denigrate, you know, non-league as this, you know, pit you're dropping into. That's not the case. But to get lads who who can easily play in League One and even the Championship to drop down, you have to pay a premium. That's no longer the case. Obviously, the wages at the top end of the Championship are way above what Wrexham will be paying. So, you know, I, I, I don't. I wouldn't have thought I'd be battling too many top-end championship teams. But if you want to get into League One, I can't think anywhere. You know, even your Sheffield Wednesdays and your Derby Counties, who are obviously in a good ball, because every Wednesday they overcome this 4-0 um, in the second leg. They're going to be in League One. I, I, I couldn't see why anyone would choose there over Wrexham, because it's something that's happening, and it's, and it's something that when these guys finish playing, and obviously, you know, it comes around very quickly. There might be 22, 23 now, but it'll come around faster than they think. Those years that they're going to spend at Wrexham, even lads like you know Rory Watson, who's not played, but he's had a year as part of this club, and he's going to remember that for the rest of his career, no matter where he goes now. And he, he had his three, four years at Scunthorpe. I can guarantee you that Wrexham will be, you know, what people 
he might be 40 in a, in a pub somewhere, he's retired and said, oh, did you play for? I played for Scunthorpe, Hull, Wrexham. We go, Wrexham? That, that, that is what this is going to mean to these guys. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you know, it's going to be such an attractive prospect. And I think as well, now they're out of that bottleneck of the National League. You know, League 2, I do fancy Wrexham to go straight through. I do admit that. So anyone coming in will fancy that as well, I would have thought, because they'll have seen a lot of League 2 and League 1 football as well. Well, it, it feels, I mean, there's an element, as we know in this kind of business, of a, a tad recency bias, but we're seeing both Knotts and Wrexham as favourites to go up. I'm not, I can't remember, you know, many seasons where the, both teams that come up, I know they've they've gone up in such a manner with over 100 points, but, you know, Wrexham have got to be looking at. We've seen, you know, Bradford against Carlisle. I know a lot of fans are watching that, keeping one eye on Owen Moxon at Carlisle. Right. And um, you know, very good player, and and looking at Stockport against Salford, and you have to say it's difficult, it's hypothetical at this stage, but with the quality Wrexham have, you'd imagine a a top seven finish is is well within the realms of, of possibility. Oh, very, very much. I like. I, I think it'd be top three. I think even yeah. with the squad now, sort of the goalkeeping position out, uh, I think it'd be it's a top three squad already because you know they, there's very few players. All right, you know Barney who came in before he came from non-league. But there's very, very few otherwise who weren't either in League One or Two. And I think I worked out before the end of the season, something like 15 promotions from either League Two or League One as well on the, on the existing squad. So these guys have been there, seen it, done it. They've got the quality to win promotion. So I, I don't see any reason why they honestly can't do it again because it's such a it's such a strong unit. And most of there will be additions, you know, maybe three, four. But you're, you know, to, to make those additions from the position of strength they've got. You know, I know you mentioned the odds there. I know the odds I saw didn't include the playoff teams. So I don't know if that'll change it. Right, know, right. With Bradford, Stockport, Carlisle, whoever obviously misses out. But I'd be very, you know, like I say, I'd, I'd certainly have, even if Stockport, you know, we're obviously strong, we've got a big backer. You know, Bradford, who are my, you know, one of my local teams. I've been to see them a few times this season. Carlisle, you mentioned Moxon. Fantastic, he's my League Two player of the year this year. You know, they're all strong teams, but I don't think they'd... You know, one of them might go up with these two. Providing Notts County obviously re-sign everybody because that's the one thing with their model. Right. They do let contracts run down a bit and then they have to sign them now. But I certainly expect Wrexham to be there and Notts County if they keep this squad together as well. Well, one of the main things also to come out the retain list, an, a, an automatic, we've said about the Mark Howard one, an automatic trigger for Paul Mullen keeping him at the club under contract until 25, till the end of 2026, basically the end of the 25-26 season. That you know that was that was almost celebrated more than people were reading the retain list. They were quickly scrolling through with respect to those lads and, and seeing that Mullen news. Sky Sports News had the big yellow ticker, which pre takeover was never going to um, apply to Wrexham. Yeah, it, he is. He he feels the one where there's there's no replacement for him in that squad. There's nobody that can do what he can do in that. And and to tie him down is the ultimate no brainer, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And also, he he. he he got he got Cambridge into League One. I look at him and I think he's a he could play in the championship easily and get 15, 20 goals because he's just got that knack. You know, we we had Alan Shearer um, who assessed his game for us. You know, I mean, two months ago, maybe six weeks ago, something like that. And obviously, he'd watched him in the cup ties, so he's impressed with him anyway. But he watched his game on that, and you know, he, he was gushing over him. You know, he's obviously not. He was not. I wasn't going to say, oh, Cossing can play in the Premier League. That's not what the piece was about, but. In terms of saying what he does and what he brings to the team, and 
And just that dead-eyed finishing that obviously Shearer had and the group strikers have, and, and, and he could see that in Mullin. And, oh, yeah, 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 like he says, irreplaceable. I'd be, I'd be interested what happens with Billy Waters this coming next season because I presume he was brought in just in case anything went wrong. Because obviously we'd, we'd heard he was carrying a groin injury and a knee injury and the like at various stages. So, obviously, we never saw Billy because you only have five subs. Well, we saw him right at the death, didn't we? Sorry, it's okay. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I saw him for Halifax season before last smashing player and I did quite a bit of work with Barrow last season for the Athletic as well and they loved him up there you know he really after a slow start he you know he really started scoring some goals up there so whether he's seen as the guy who could step in to Mullin's shoes I don't know but they are big shoes to fill and if they can keep him fit uh, which obviously there's every side that he is because he seems to have played through every knock and scrape so far you know he's he's, he's going to be in the goals uh, next season once again and probably up again in the division above. Yeah, I mean, we're already looking at, you know, how long before he gets to that century of goals for Exxon, which, which is just, a, you know, remarkable when you think of the the players in that. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna ask you, you can't say Moen. I always, uh, Rich, Rich always says Moen, so I'm not going to say uh, <laughs> Moen, but which player for you are you most looking forward to seeing next season? Because for me, there's a few. But I, I put out on Twitter the other day, if anyone hasn't seen that, Rob Ryan read on Twitter or Instagram. Ryan Barnett for me has a lot Just, of yeah. you know yeah. you know, a lot of there's there's a few. You know, Elliot Lee, Tom O'Connor, there's a lot of nice players, Andy Cannon. Something about Barnett feels unpredictable. Yeah. And and I'm very excited to see, even more so than Mendy on the other side. Just yeah. I because I don't quite know what I'm gonna get out of Barnett and it, and, and I like that unpredictability that he'll bring. Very much so, I think because he grew into that team. And going forward is absolutely fantastic. The big test, obviously, has come from Solihull. The big test is going to be defensively because there will be more. There'll be more demands on the next season. You know, obviously, particularly at home. Obviously, no no team has a record like Wrexham have just achieved. You know, I've never ever heard of anything like that before. To drop two points across a full season is just just remarkable. Because always on the front foot. There will be teams who'll come to the race course next season and fancy the chances a bit more than there's been the case this year. So there'll be a bit more of a test of him defensively but from what I've seen I think he's going to be I do I think I think he could be an absolute star going forward which I know right back is a position I played many many moves ago it's not the sexiest on the pitch but it's a little bit more at Rexham because obviously they're expected to get forward as the way Phil plays with obviously Jack and Mendy on the other side but yeah I, I think he I, I'm going to be fascinated to see how he does but I do fancy him to do really really well because he's crossing you know, on, on at pace as well. You know, it's not just he stops and then wing, you know, pings it across. Uh, you know, like you see, well, just mentioned Owen Moxon, you know, but he's dead ball, Carlisle this season. Absolutely top notch. But what with Ryan Barnett, he's actually going at pace and then he get he just hits it and then the the, the, the whip he gets on it, you know, as Paul Mullin and, and Palmer and Dolby, it must be an absolute joy for that sort of delivery because I was expecting, you know, Elliot Lee's another one. Obviously, a great, talented player. Um, Cannon, I'd be fascinated to see how he does. Cause, you know, I will, because obviously he's a player at a high level. But, yeah, if I'm looking at somebody, I think it would be about it. And possibly Mendy on the other side as well, because he's got those attributes. I just think he needs a little bit more confidence in himself to to really prosper or really realise his potential, because there's a hell of a player in there. Yeah, we, we spoke way, way back. We spoke to Zavon Hines a bit about, you know, to try and understand... When when Phil arrived, we yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't know much about him, so we thought, let's just try and speak to someone at Colchester, someone at Bradford, and you know, Phil's someone that you've known yeah. a, a while, a long time. 
maybe you could speak a bit about you know how you've you found him over the years and and, and you know because we haven't seen him before is this one of the best fits he's had in a while Bradford obviously will be going back next season if they don't go up in in the playoffs but it feels like he's since the documentary in particular the the fan base have really took to him yeah. I think I think I think it's fair to say at the beginning there was maybe a bit of a disconnect and now it's it's you know Superville Parky chanting his name and, and everyone you know can't imagine him him leaving us so it, it's been a ride for him as well so I must say I was really surprised when he came to Wrexham and I don't mean in the National League element I, I, I meant more that and it's not the word sir because that's the wrong thing but the attention that comes with it right. and particularly the documentary so obviously everyone knew this was going to be a big part for the club going forward and I dealt with Phil at Hull for his first one when he, when he struggled he was only there five months met some cracking signings to be fair which a year later these signings Sam Ricketts, which maybe don't mention his name to you guys, but you know, you Michael Turner's, but he signed these players who got the club into the Premier League. You know, Phil Brown got them over the line, but Phil sort of put the groundwork in. But it was one of these where they come out from Peter Taylor and the, the dressing room probably wasn't quite ready for him. And uh, he struggled. And he's, he's quite a shy guy, to be fair. He was at Bradford. You know, he, he's deadly serious. You know, the, it was. Myself and there being another guy when I was at the Yorkshire Post when I was covering both those and you go up to training and sometimes he'd be keen to chat and you know this is on a Thursday you know for a pre-match presser sometimes he'd be keen to chat other times if you if you interview if you wanted to do the interview outside and it's freezing cold you you knew he didn't want to speak then because he knew we're not going to stand in the cold for ten minutes asking daft questions but sometimes he'd want to then he'd stick around and he'd, he'd be talking off the record and he'd say well. Yeah, I'm not happy with this player doing this and I've just found out he's bought a Mercedes and I don't like that. And he, he wasn't one for the big... Even in City, when Bradford had the run to the League Cup final or a couple of years later when they beat Chelsea, he was great with the media, but he certainly didn't call the media and he didn't look massively comfortable in the spotlight. So to then find out when he comes to Wrexham, I was like, this is going to be really interesting. But I did speak to him not long after he'd come and he says, yeah, no, I realised straight away this documentary is key. And I've, you know, we're all, all going for new experiences and obviously he's gone into it. And I think the big thing is he trusts the guys who've built it. I think, you know, the first couple of weeks they were sort of sizing each other up, but he realised they were there actually, they're part of, became part of the team really. I think that's that's the best way to put it. And I think that he's relaxed into that. And he says now, obviously when he's effing and jeffing in the dressing room, he doesn't realise the camera's there. And I know players, that's perfect. That is, that is Phil Parkinson. You know, he's so quiet. And I, I always say a little bit shy, a little bit reserved in a sort of social setting where Steve Parkin, his assistant, he's shouting and barking. Another one I've known from Hull, he, he was Phil Brown's assistant at Hull, a great guy. But he's much more up front and in with the players and, you know, having a bit of banter, whereas Phil's a bit more reserved. But obviously they work together fantastically well and it's worked together brilliantly well with the documentary because he's come across really well. What, has, what did surprise me before I sort of moved across covering Wrexham it's a number of seven fours, six fives, and five four games you have because that is not a Phil Parkinson way of doing it at all. You know, Bradford, if they went one nil up or two nil up, you knew they were going to win that game because they were brilliant at closing down the game. Whereas he couldn't do that over here, at looking from the outside, because he didn't quite have the players. I think it took that January transfer window, and then again last summer, to really get the team he wanted. And then we've not really seen, I know there was the odd one, wasn't there? but we've not seen any of the daft, your Dover type <laughs> games that uh, have gone on. And I think he's got the, the team where he wants it, the club where he wants it. 
And that's why I think, you know, there's, there's, there's more and more good times to come under a very, very good manager. You know, he's, he's he managed in tough circumstances. You know, Bradford was an easy gig. Hull was obviously a struggle. He got Colchester up on Tubney Apens, you know, no real money. And he got bowled up when they were an absolute basket case and about to go under. So, no, good times are ahead under him, I think. Yeah, I mean, total, like you say, total changes. He's usually been doing well with very little, and now he's got, you know, yeah. this war yeah. chest is the, is, the, is the phrase that always gets trotted out. But Steve Parkin, then obviously mentioned him, a brief word on him because he seems like a kind of jack-in-the-box figure that's yeah. always bouncing around. And uh, one of the lads, but also not what you know what I mean he, yeah. he seems to be a quite a good buffer for for someone who's a different personality type to Phil yeah he's, he's much more in the middle of it you know I'm not saying Phil's aloof that's the wrong word but Phil's as every manager should be he has to have a step back because there has to be that gap between them you know whether it's respect whatever you want to call it where Steve's in the middle you know if there's bad to fly in and abuse flying he's there you know he'll be giving as good as he gets by the way you know perfect case in point when they have the um after Boreham Wood and they all got back, and he was telling me that that a lovely moment for about an hour where they had a lot of pieces in. All the it was just them, just the players and the staff. By the way, it's about half past four, five o'clock in the morning. Ordered pieces in, and they just sat there and talked about their best moments of the season. It was in the I don't know the dressing room or where, but there was somewhere in in the club. So I just had a great time. But then obviously the players, he calls them lightweights because few wants to go for a lie down and a bit of a sleep. And he he let them go for twenty minutes, and then he just marched in. They also went in the um, um, treatment room, I which say, the moment yeah. you walk in, the bright lights come on, and he knew that. So he walked in, bright lights, pink. There's like four players laid out on these treatment tables, and a kick for 20 minutes. Paul Mullins, one of them, and they just started shouting and bawling at them all. And then he walked off, and he knew they were cursing him to high heaven behind him. But it, it, it's part of the banter and it's part of the laughs that he brings. But he's also deadly serious. You know, he's if if he's got something to say to you. He'll say it, and if he if he feels a player needs calling out on the training pitch, I'll I won't want to be that player putting it that way. No, and I'm sure whenever we go on this US tour, I'm sure the Americans will uh, get to see his his personality and 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 see the players. Lastly, then because well, I'm sure we'll get you back on um over the course of the season, but have to ask you, you know, you, you covered Sheffield United, you covered Wrexham when those two worlds collided, and we I'm, I'm going to say we we were seconds away from getting that win at home. And then we would have had Tottenham and all the hullabaloo that came after that. So after that first game, what was the mood at, at, among Blades fans? Was it kind of, oh, this is, you know, we've just spared ourselves re- you know, real embarrassment here? Because it was a ding-dong of a tie. Yes, was. It's, it's an odd one with, with that, uh, Chef and I, because I, 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 I was adamant that they should have gone out in the third round, deliberate, not deliberate, well, deliberately, yeah, basically. They played right. Mill all the way. Um and I know a couple of the coaching staff thought exactly the same because I'd spoken to them and they were like, yeah, you know, we, we don't need the distractions because it's happened before at Sheffield United. You know, they got to the semi-final of the League Cup and the FA Cup on the Neil Warnock many, many years ago and then lost in the playoff final, whereas I think without those, they might have actually got automatic um, instead. But Paul Heckingbottom had never won a cup tie before this season in his managerial career, so he wanted to win at Millwall. Obviously, then you draw Wrexham. You knew what was coming the moment on the TV. And you don't want to lose to a non-league team. I know that was a big motivating factor for them. So to get out of jail like they did, you know, obviously they were they were, they were in front early on. Wrexham lost the two centre halves, and yet they were beaten. Yeah. You know, were beaten by a better team up until what was it, hundred and twenty, hundred, however many minutes it was. I'm not sure. Uh, it, it was a long time in that stoppage time. 
Uh, but John Egan getting that out of jail. Then obviously they need to get through because it's live on the telly again. Um, and Tottenham had come up. And by then as well, the club, the club's financial problems have become clear. Uh, they're in a transfer embargo because they haven't paid part of the fee for Ryan Brewster. And then there was another another one subsequently as well. So they, they spent three months in that. So all of a sudden the cup run became a vital revenue stream. So, you know, obviously they wanted to play Tottenham. Everyone wants to play Tottenham. So obviously, they, you know, took two goals in stoppage time. And but for that missed penalty, as, as you know, could have gone the other way. I know, right. sorry, sorry to right mention in, it. Right in front of us, that was, Rich. No. Just, uh, you know, the first pen looked great. Mullin, yeah. uh, trust it. And then it was such a weird game, that one, though, because yeah. it, it just felt like first half we were, you know, they completely had us on strings. Was, strings I thought, I thought yeah. Phil did a great tactic then, though, because he just wanted to contain. You could see that because right. Mullin's on his own up front. Obviously, he had somebody with him. He was Dolby with him, wasn't he? But Dolby, yeah. he was withdrawn. So he'd obviously come, let's keep it tight. Get to half time, nil nil, and then we'll push on. And you know, it worked, it did, it worked. And and then you know, two stoppage time goals, and then that stuff afterwards. Just I don't know where that came have from. You know, have you known anything like that? Because it was so because for, we were obviously getting in the car and heading, heading home, and, and we're seeing floods of text. You know, what because we, we'd obviously seen Billy Sharp at the end, yeah, with his kind of give it the big and right. Yeah, so yeah. And we thought well, a bit weird, but that was the end of it, yeah. Then he's mouths off on on yeah. um on tv and then suddenly i'm you know, speaking to some of the players after and he's in the tunnel and yeah and that will no doubt make the documentary when that yeah. comes out later in the year yeah i mean you must be excited to see to see what that turned out like i mean actually well, I've, I've heard from both sides what then i know there was a full camera crew there as well because chef united gave permission for the for the crew to be there so it will be some fascinating stuff uh, but i've heard both sides of it and both sides of it just sounded like chaos you know, I think the only person who didn't get involved was Steve Parkin. I, I you know, ironically, because he's a chef and he's a blade. So right. he just thought, I'll leave him to it. You know, the silly, silly so-and-sos. But <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, he, he did get quite, like, it was all very daffery. It was all, it was a misunderstanding. It was that picture, the song right. picture, which yeah, yeah, Chef and I took yeah. as thing, even though it had been taken in November or whenever it was, but then obviously yeah. tweeted. So that went from that. And, but Sheffield United also, since Chris Wilder was manager there, they have a thing where he used to love finding offence in something that had been said by the opposition camp. So, you know, they basically it pins up on the literally pin up a news story or a comment or something on the wall and say, look what that so-and-so said about us. Let's stick it up. And, and I think there's an element of that because that's still his, that's still a lot of his team. Obviously, Billy Sharp was his captain. Chris, like Chris has been gone three years now, but the 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 crooks in that team is still there, so I think that was a little bit part of it that they fired themselves up with perceived um, insults. You know, I, I saw it in the road, particularly when they played Leeds, when them and Leeds were going for promotion, um, and I was at the Oxford, so I'm covering both teams, and I'm then listening to Chris Wilder, and he said, "Oh yeah, what Adam Forshaw or what um, Patrick Bamford said about us was a disgrace after the Sonso game." I think he, I interviewed them after that game. They didn't <laughs> say that. But it suited their narrative right. to be insulted and then be angry and then to want to stick it up and, and it worked because Sheffield United got over the line and Leeds collapsed and right. it was a little, I think there was a little element of that in the FA Cup and I think it, uh, it just fired them up and obviously they got all the way to Wembley and that yeah. two million quid that they earned actually in a way has helped save the club because they got out of the embargo and they had enough to pay their wages before they got to the Premier League because there was a time 
when you thought they're going to struggle here to actually, you know, get across the line and have the money to, to keep going. So it was an awful deal. But I don't think it did Wrexham any, uh, and I don't think it went against Wrexham either, but in fact that if they'd played Tottenham, um, and then Tottenham were awful that night, Bramall Lakes, I did that game, but, you know, could easily have beaten them if I'm not being, I'm not being. Yeah, right. But then the build-up of games would have been horrendous because, you know, you had eight games in February anyway. It kept coming the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, which is why that cryo chamber came in because they're looking for anything to ease these lads' pain, you know, the fatigue in the body. And I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't think you did them, you know, a disservice to actually go out of the cup in the fourth round because brilliantly Coventry, brilliantly against Sheffield United, get out and get the main job of the season done. And yeah, did that. And well, we'll 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 see it, won't we? We'll see it, see it all in the documentary. That's out later this year. I'm, I mean, there's going to be some great moments on that, well, isn't there? Just oh, right. you know, what the, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how they're going to edit it all into a yeah. into a <laughs> in, in, into a package. Um, well, I guess finally then, uh, Rich. We're going to know the fixtures on June the twenty second. Let's just say, let's just say. I mean, I'll give you any any team, even in the ones in the playoffs. What what would be a belting opener after fifteen years? What would be the? I mean, the obvious one for me would be maybe Bradford away. But yeah, what, what would be what would be a game that would be you know what welcome back and this is an absolute barnstormer. Yeah, that, it's a it's a funny one. Do you want a home game? against a team that obviously hasn't been in non league because there's a lot of teams that have been down and come back up, you know, your, your Mansfields and obviously there's a hell of a lot of Forest Green have come down, you know, well, teams like that really. <laughs> I, but last Friday I was over in the terms I was doing a piece with the Declan Swans ahead of their um, uh, Kings of Leon gig and uh, I, I, so I had a couple of pints with them and they were, they were just talking to all sorts and everyone seems to want MK Dons because it's a bigger way, obviously not, yeah, bigger way. You know, you get eight thousand tickets there if you want it. So they seem to want that. I was saying, well, now get a home game, beat somebody, yeah. and because it's going to be special anyway. You know, if, if now, now obviously since then we've had the playoff final, TV will probably want North County because of the narrative of this season. So I don't think that'd be a great start. Personally, I think Tranmere at home that'd be a nice one. Yeah, just somebody for us. just. I think you know, like they'll be capable of beating every team. I think next season. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win every game, but they're capable of beating anybody. So it's not like. There's going to be a team that'll, you know, you don't want to face. But I just think, I think a home game would be good. I, I get the wanting to go to Bradford or NK Dons or any of those, but they're going to be special anyway. Get up. You know, I always go back. Howard Wilkinson go way back when he used to interview him at Leeds and he'd always say, forget anything. Your first goal, your first point, your first win is everything. Do the only opening Saturday. It's a happy, you know, it's a happy place to be. And I'd, I'd say that anybody at home would, uh, would do for me next season. There you go, then. That is the end of another episode. Uh, I'm hanging in there without Rich. Uh, we've had Rob, Ryan. Thank you so much to them. We've had Rich, not that one. He'll be back very soon. As always, uh, Rob and Red brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development and the music, the stings you hear in between. That is from the brilliant Hypnotic Band. We thank you, uh, we thank all of them for their support and Red 10. Uh, if you want to get in touch, you can. RobRyanRed at gmail.com. You can find us all the write ups and different things, contact forms and donation page and everything you'd want on RobRyanRed.com. 
YouTube, go subscribe to us on there. You can watch the Ryan and Rob interview. I would encourage you, if you've only listened to it, I would encourage you to go and watch it. Really good stuff there. Actually see some of the memorabilia that they were showing off. And you can get us on Instagram, TikTok, and all the other good places, Facebook. So thank you very much. And I will be back again the same time next week, next Thursday, to unpack another week. And will Ben Foster have signed by then? Will we have any new players to talk about? Will we know more about the end of the US tour? We will soon find out. So take care, and I will see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.